0: This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart.
1: But more importantly, listening to students about their needs is too. they have, they certainly have a very strong agency in this, um, in this discussion, because they're the people that this is happening to. So we need to make sure we do it with, uh, to ensure that we address those challenges going forward and doing it better together.
0: That's Gail McCarty reflecting on the need to listen to students as education faces challenges in technology implementation and a range of other issues. Gail is my guest today on Central Station. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik. Gail McCarty is the Executive Officer for Parents Victoria, a statewide democratic organisation representing parents of students in Victorian government schools. Gail will be a panellist at the 2021 Age School Summit in Melbourne, Australia where she'll be engaging on a variety of themes around technology in education. In this discussion, we'll cover a range of issues including equity with respect to technology and the amount of input that parents get in the greater technology debate. We'll also look at some of the challenges surrounding technology, particularly with respect to well-being and what problems are emerging in that space. Gail is passionate about the work of Parents Victoria and the assistance it provides to families. And if you're keen to find out more, I encourage you to visit Parents Victoria on the web at parentsvictoria.asn.au. I started by asking Gail to outline the nature of how it begins to work with schools and families.
1: So Parents Victoria's mission is to ensure that the educational journey for every student in a Victorian state government school is holistically supported and achieved in partnership with parents, schools and government.
0: And you work actively with parents around uh, public schools in Victoria to, to bring that mission about, to, to work with those students and the parents together. Is that, is that how it works?
1: That's correct. So not every school at this point in time is a member of our organisation. However, um, it is our objective that they all will be. And, um, but that's not to also say that any parent that makes contact that has a child enrolled to a Victorian government school we don't turn them away, that we guide and navigate them and support them um, and how to understand the policy and practice of our Victorian government schools and to ensure that they have a partnership with their school and our system.
0: So what sort of uh, services do you actually provide? Is it, is it mostly an advisory type of organisation?
1: We actually probably two strains, it's advisory and advocacy, because where we have parents coming to us where they've had um, poor experiences or issues to deal with at a school level, um, that information with their consent is fed back through um, to to the school and to the system, ensuring that we can um, address those challenges and concerns so they are approved for the future.
0: Well, we're having this conversation in the lead up to the AGE Summit, and The major topic that we are addressing here this morning with respect to what you're going to be talking about on the day is technology in schools. Now, when we talk about technology in schools, that's a very broad thing. I mean, just the word technology can encompass many things, and I suspect that that's going to be a big issue with parents. But given your situation with your organization, I suspect you also deal with other very large issues. We're going to talk about technology more specifically in a moment, but how have the bigger issues changed over the years?
1: Well, that's a really good question because the <laughs> issues in education are usually cyclic
0: in our world,
1: in parent world. So when I go through, and I've actually been involved with Parents Victoria for quite, quite some years, uh, in excess of 20 years, um, as a parent, um, as a volunteer, as, an, as a former president of the organisation, and also as the current executive officer. So I have you know seen in that time an evolution in education. And it's really interesting some of the topics that are cyclic. So those things are like enrolment, uniform codes, disciplinary matters, issues regarding students with disabilities, bullying, attendance, um, transition, and safety of students. But the biggest one, and probably the most the biggest one of the focus uh, even of um, worldwide right now, is the well-being of students. Um, so you know, we have what we have dealt with in 2020 with the COVID pandemic, but we also have a pandemic around mental health Mm. and anxiety in students. So um, they're they're probably sort of just a bit of a smattering of the top 10 um, that we deal with. Um, And of course, they come to us in all various various different forms. But you're correct, technology is really key to um, a lot of the learning aspects for our children because um, for the future, in the sense that it is a tool, and it's, it's, we're becoming more and more as a society reliant on this tool going forward. And we need to make sure that no child is left behind, but at the same time, we need to have flexibility in learning styles so every child can engage in education, uh, irrespective of their socioeconomic status.
0: I suppose this is probably a little bit complicated as well because the rise of technology brings a lot of opportunity, but the rise of technology, I suspect, is also very tightly mixed in with the well-being issue and the mental health issue. Now, that's that's probably a very very complex thing to talk about. But is is, that, or is there evidence of that?
1: Look, um, certainly there would be experts out that uh, externally that would certainly be able to contribute uh, those stats to that evidence. Um, and I think we can see for ourselves that there is certainly um, it's like we need to do some form of risk analysis about certain things but at the same token it's about common sense and how we support um, families and schools how to do that better with students but more importantly listening to students about their needs as too they have they certainly have a very strong agency in this um, in this discussion because they're the people that this is happening to, so we need to make sure we do it with uh, to ensure that we address those challenges going forward and doing it better together.
0: Yeah. Now, look, technology is expensive. Uh, there are a lot of things that are free, like you can get a free Gmail account, but that presumes that you've got access to the technology in the first place. And access and equity... Uh, issues that are widely reported in schools. And I suspect that this is probably you see something that you see a lot of. And, you know, ways that we can see this or evidence of this is, you know, the impacts on things like NAPLAN, you know, reports come out saying that uh, students of disadvantaged uh, uh, reflect different results in things like standardised tests like NAPLAN. What kind of equity concerns do you think that parents have with respect to being able to access technology or uh, what kind of things that students can do with technology?
1: I think the most important thing to share here right now is in the Victorian government school Tech context, that our Victorian government schools are autonomous, so they have the powers to make the local decisions around, um, around the technology delivery and engagement with students. So um, they can prescribe, um, they have that power right now to determine at that local level about what devices, um, how, how the students will learn in that school setting. Um, so, obviously, there's, you know, in keeping with obviously the department, you know, the department of Education here in Victoria, their own um, policy and codes. Um, but in saying that when they make that decision locally, this is why good governance and uh, conversation and connection with and um, consultation with community is highly critical, as it is with the students, to ensure that you get um, the right mix and blend uh, of that learning and delivery of equipment. Um, Because unless, if you don't do that right, and you've you've got a high percentage of your school community not able to access or afford the equipment that you're prescribing, well then you have huge issues uh, because then the students aren't actually engaging in the technology. And I think this is something that the pandemic again, and I'm sorry, we have to keep going back to 2020, but that highlighted, it amplified the difference. So the pandemic, in a in a way, was an equalizer. Mm. It 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 highlighted the differences that people were ch- you know challenged with here in Victoria. Now, to the credit of our department and government, those devices and internet connectivity was a, was dealt with and provided to to support the students. But parents, Victoria's question around the whole equity debate is that it took a pandemic to do that.
0: Yes, and Um, perhaps it shouldn't have.
1: Correct. And so we would urge every school, I don't want to blame schools here, they are the meat and the sandwich here um, in our sector because they're the people that are trying to educate the students but at the same token we all have to be very mindful about how we have those initial discussions and determine the rules of engagement um, about how how students are going to access their education in that particular school at any given time.
0: Do you think the parents get enough of a voice in that particular discussion, as in, because the schools are making autonomous decisions, but how much are the parents being involved?
1: Well, government and departments of education probably would strongly say that there you know school councils here in Victoria have parents and department employees represented. But, again, it is then the power of the conversation and the rules and how the policies they can set. And a number of those policies are, as you could appreciate, um, have to be designed now because of compliance and obligations legally with everything and uh, child safe standards and a whole range of legislative requirements. Um, They would probably argue that the voices aren't as strong as they should be. Hmm. And so... I think we have an opportunity moving forward about how we do that more collectively on these decisions. And I know some school leaders and educators will probably just, oh, how are we going to do this if <laughs> their shoulders would drop and, 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 and they would, you know, because the amount of work that they have to deal with. But I think the important thing that this is not new. This did happen years ago where there was certainly uh, prescribed um, representation on certain Um, committees and and all those things these things have happened in the past but it's how much devolution you do to a community um, to a school in these important decisions but how you bring the community together to have them in a really effective way so communication is key
0: yeah as it is always I imagine that it would be quite challenging for parents to witness what's going on in schools where they see students with just computers everywhere. Some schools will be very well equipped with all kinds of technology in the classroom. And then the students will come home, the children will come home, and then they'll bring those expectations with them as to what they're supposed to be doing for school and so forth. Do you think that parents are are managing to keep up with that? Where's the ability at with parents these days to be able to keep up and help their children with the technology is that we're at risk of creating something that the parents can't manage anymore.
1: So this comes back to my earlier point about knowing your community and sharing those funds of knowledge about having those really um, first up conversations before even enrolment about what is the expected level, what is how how does this school operate, how how do the parents support their children because. You know, we're very culturally diverse in our um, society these days and um, everyone's at various levels. Some people have different values and belief systems about how their children engage in technology, getting the balance right because of some of the other fears and anxieties about technology. And there's some cultural perspectives when students come home from school. Um, Some of our various cultures have a strong belief in about the family responsibilities when they get home from school. Um, you know with cooking and minding siblings and, mm. and learning instru- you know playing practicing on the you know music instruments it's a whole range of things there's children that go out on the farm that have to go out and work yeah. um, straight from school before and after school these are some things that are not on the tops of minds of people and so this is why that initial conversation about how this works in our school setting and even at the policy setting level with our governments and decision making level all these things that be need to be considered about you know socioeconomic factors and how um, the provision of these devices. Um, and we certainly hear from families and grandparents and carers that you know a lot of these children have secondhand devices handed around from family. Um, there's devices, there's issues around even looking after equipment when they break and Mm. warranty and concerns about schools not being able to assist them when things get um, stolen or damaged. Um, It's all those contributing factors that impact on um, further burdens on families that some are equipped to manage and some aren't. So really all very important uh, contributing factors that we can't solve all the problems and some people would argue is this a school responsibility or a parent you know parent responsibility but if this if these things are imposed on families to ensure their children attend school and come to school equipped well there has to be some room for discussion about how to do that successfully
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the teachers and uh, teachers particularly coming into the profession. Uh, What sort of expectation do you think that we should have for graduate teachers when it comes to their technology capabilities as they enter the profession? And I know that this, look, I know that teachers are doing a fantastic job. And I know that given the circumstances, people are really working very hard to do their very best. And it's possibly one of the most challenging times to be a graduate teacher at the moment because I have also heard of teachers who've started new jobs and then two weeks later they're in lockdown and suddenly they're interacting with students online and all kinds of crazy things are happening given all of those things considering all of those things as well what kind of expectations do we have for graduate teachers are they too high are we should we expect more how does how does all that work
1: well, I think we need to invest in a bit of hope <laughs> in the situation and uplift the profession. Um, because I think the next generation as um and this is nothing against our existing teachers or our past teachers, because they all have incredible passion and um incredible funds of knowledge to contribute to to to, to teaching. Um and sometimes those things are um uh, you know are not necessarily valued to the extent they should be Um, and I I would what I probably would say here that that there's at some stage the universities the learning institutions they need to probably get a gauge at what stage the the future teacher is at with that skill capability Um, and by doing so then they could then support that student teacher about what they will require before they go into a classroom and equally in, on induction and also in placements and things like that, when a student does um, apply for a position in a school setting or even doing their placement, have a be very familiar and have an understanding about what the expect, you know, what is the, the level of school required to support the students you know, effectively. Mm. Um, so there's a whole range of things in there that um, how to measure the, you know, the capability and capacity. Um, to address that so then teachers go in confident, the new teachers, um, to do that effectively.
0: Do you think that there's a risk that we're not producing enough teachers with technology capabilities or enough teachers generally? With another guest that I discussed this issue with, there seems to be uh, quite a shortage, but generally speaking, is there a shortage of technology capability coming through in our teachers, do you think?
1: I think that technology is moving at such a rapid pace I think there's this assumption that everybody is up to speed at any given time. I mean, we're only human. <laughs> I don't know myself with being a, a digital native. at sometimes um, I do my best with the tools that I have provided to me, but I'm sure we could all sit here and be guilty that you know, when you get a, a reminder update on your on your device, uh, and we all go, oh, "I've got to do that later." Uh, so. It's all those things about how we um, take personal responsibility for that training, but equally about how our learning institutions and our future employers will keep teachers, keep the profession up to speed so they can then teach and make sure the students um, and the families um, are also up to speed to engage in the learning effectively. This this is key. And I suppose I would also add there that we have to, um, not all par- families, parents and carers, are going to be at the same level of understanding around the technology space than others. Hmm. So that is a critical piece about how, how do we skill up our teachers about how to have those conversations respectfully um, and, you know, and to support them to be able to support their students.
0: We touched on this earlier, and I think this is something that we really need to just briefly talk about, and that is the wellbeing issues that are connected with technology, particularly in education. And I guess the one that springs to mind, obviously, or perhaps that most uh, most easily in people's minds would be the issue of cyberbullying. How do we handle that in the current climate? And are there enough support structures in place to help students dealing with those issues?
1: Well, I think this is a a way, another huge, big topic of discussion. Um, (laughs) But in this context, I think, yes, the answer is yes. It is always been a concern and continues to be a concern. But again, it is heavily reliant. I think schools endeavour and try to do their best to ensure that they have, you know, relevant speakers, experts, um, tips, you know, information, as does the Department of Education. But unfortunately, um, human nature, it's, its we're all time poor and it's not an excuse, but we need to prioritise about how we as parents uh, and carers, how we do that earlier um, to ensure that we have the capacity and capability to know the, um, the risks, you know, the, the good and evil around technology, so then we can navigate it with our children more effectively. Um this is, you know, I, I'm finding, you know, again, I keep coming to the, you know, communication is key. And I think rather than waiting for the consequence of these issues to arise, we need to do far more in the prevention. But to do the prevention well, um, we have to have really a level of understanding about where everybody's at in that space and what actually their anxiety fears are. Um and I think this is, you know, a conversation. Earlier, we had Colin around the quality of relationships. There's actually got to be be a big piece of work done about with with students, with parents, with schools, um, around to do no harm. And not that anyone intentionally goes to do things. There is some individuals that do, but that's a bigger conversation about how the internet and how devices, these tools, can be used to cause harm. And we, and, and that should not be happening. Mm. So how do we address that? Um, the important things around those concerns is that, yes, we can have all the tips and all the help sheets, all the online platforms to go and look at things. But what we find in the experience, when these things happen, parents, their, their worst fear is about the impact it has on their child yeah. and themselves and how to navigate that with the school in the most respectful way. And this is where a lot of people get into really murky ground mm. because it then becomes sort of a you know a blame culture you know from a variety of angles, um, and and that's what we need to prevent. We need to stop that happening, um, and by doing so, we all need to rise to the occasion to um, address these well-being issues with um, yeah, as, a, as a highest
0: priority. If a parent was in a situation where they felt that there was a uh, a risk uh for their child and they were uncertain or they, were, they had some 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 anxieties about how the school was handling a particular situation even if they felt that the school was doing the right thing would you encourage a parent to to be active and speak up and approach the school what's the best way to go about that
1: oh most definitely always um and and if you're not you're not comfortable about having that conversation seek the support to have that conversation safely and effectively Um, And that's why organisations like us um, do do step in and assist people in that regard. Um, However, we would like to empower people to be able to have, if they have a quality relationship with the school and the communication is highly effective with schools and parents, um, they don't need the services of people like us. Hmm. Um, And and so I think the most important thing is not to let things fester or wait. Um, Certainly, you know, all the cyber uh, safety experts always say, you know retain the evidence that's really important because people can't act without the evidence sure um and and enforcement agencies would say exactly the same people need to be very mindful because again it comes to that whole thing about people taking responsibility i mean how often is you know like if there's a a fight in a schoolyard and someone films it you know um well that that is it's interesting because that goes two ways it could be used for evil where someone shares it on platform and humiliates the people involved and and puts it out there into the wilder world but then it might be someone that's doing it as an act of kindness to capture the evidence so that person can mm. then be held to account yes um, so so again we interpret all these how people behave in conflict in a various ways and this is why it's really important that you know, the first rule is not to do harm and why why did that fight break out and all those things or why did that why was that nasty comment posted or why did someone share an image online? Why did all these things happen and what is the you know we need to get to the root and cause of these situations. And by doing so, I'm sure that those things are certainly the red flags have probably been have been up the flagpole a lot sooner than the actual actual incident. Mm. Um but it's how people can be supported to and equipped to deal with those things as they're starting to unfold and where the relationships are breaking down. And this is why relationship reparation, that's another, you know, again, is another big piece of work um, about how to work with young people and adults to do that effectively, because that's the thing too. Um, Young people often, when it's, these things happen, the adults have a very strong view on, what's happened. Yes. And it's actually the young people at the centre that it's happened to. Yes. So it's really critically important how we have those discussions going forward. I hope that's helpful. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, so looking forward into the future, are we all like frogs in boiling water? Is Are we heading towards a future that's bleak and problematic? Or do you think we're getting on top of it?
1: Look, I think, again, I would say it's not all doom and gloom. I think we have to see Technology um, as a gift and a tool in lots of ways. It certainly, there's a lots of amazing moments. People are catch, you know, capturing memories and and sharing and communicating people across the world when we couldn't even travel to visit each other. Mm. Um, there's so many good things around technology, but I think the fact is that the pandemic has certainly given an opportunity to the world for us to be our own change agents and about how we can change everything up and how we can look at challenges for what they are and not be um diminished in our, our own being of feeling disempowered. We need to to look we need to lift everybody with positivity, optimism, and 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 hit uncertainty on the head, even though that's <laughs> going to be there. Um, but we have to really you know really work harder together. To, to To pull our ideas, reimagine what things could be look like, and yeah. you know, I'm just very fortunate in the job I do that I get to meet so many well wonderful people. Thanks to technology, mm. um, that tool allows me to like even to have these conversations with you. Yeah, um, to share insights and experiences and solutions because Parents Victoria is a solution maker. We want we want to hear from the parents and, and carers. Um, listen to them and that's really important we all need to be active listeners and it's how we then action those um, funds of knowledge and how we translate those into to actions to support everybody involved students teachers parents schools and even governments um, and departments of education about how we do this better for everybody.
0: Well, I think that sounds very positive (laughs) and very hopeful. Gail, great to speak with you this morning. Thanks so much. Thank you. A future filled with promise, backed up by plenty of hard work and commitment. You've been listening to Central Station. If you found this episode helpful or if the message has resonated with you, then please share it with a friend or colleague. And to hear more great stories about inspiring educators, then make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Central. To find out more, visit the website central.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Thanks for listening.